Welcome to Igniting Your Faith. Today, Pastor Fisher reminds us to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, who is the only true answer and love for all of us. We encourage you to thoughtfully and prayerfully let God's love make an impact in your life. Now here is Dr. Chris Fisher with today's message of powerful truth from God's Word. Good morning. Good to see everybody here today. If you're tuned in online, we're glad you're tuning in. God bless you. Good to see Adam up and Adam. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Gary prayed for Renee. It's the big 5-0 today, I think. Right? Half a century. Um. I want to make a little pitch for the Coffee House worship service. We're about to start a new series that I, I felt led to by Francis and Judith McNutt. Maybe you remember a couple of years ago, we did a book by Francis McNutt on healing. That was what it was called, healing. Uh, wonderful teachers, Francis and Judith, together. And I found a series that they've done. I'm going to carefully curate the parts of it that we're going to watch. Uh, but we're going to watch clips of it each week for the next many weeks. Uh, a very powerful series on healing. So um, it's not online. So if you're home and you're saying, oh, gosh, uh, I want to hear that, come out. It'll be at 1045 uh, downstairs in the coffee house. And uh, if you're interested here uh, and you want to come to both services, that's great. We'd love to see you down there. I also want to make a, a quick comment on the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. You know, for the last many, many years, uh, pro-life churches and, and individuals throughout the nation, um, probably for, throughout the world, but uh, I know that here in the United States we celebrate here on or around the third Sunday of January the holiness, the value of every human life uh, from the moment of conception. Uh, we heard about that in Psalm 139 where David talks about the wonder of God putting us together in our mother's womb that um, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and that from the moment of conception, uh, God is at work uh, bringing us to life. And what a, a glorious and amazing gift this is. Uh, you know, of course, the Roe versus Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court recently. And that did not solve the problem in our country, did it? Right? Uh, it didn't suddenly change hearts across the nation. And um, there are groups on both sides uh, of that discussion whether that life in the womb is sacred and sacrosanct uh, from the moment of conception, or is it just uh, biological mass that can be discarded at will uh, up to the moment of birth. Uh, and that uh, perspective, that faith, that understanding of our value may not be something we're ever going to be able to legislate. I want you to think about that. We could fight. We could win that war. Some states, there's that fight. And actually, I think for the sake of justice, that's a fight worth being part of. But unless hearts are changed so that they see as God sees the wonder of who we are, um, the odds that this conflict is going to come to an end in our country are exceedingly low. Uh, 
And how are hearts changed? They're changed when they come into Christ. And they begin to understand who they are in God's eyes. The love that caused them to come to birth. The love that desires relationship with them forever. God's love for them that they find in Jesus. Uh, and that's when many people's eyes are open. Not every set. Some people come to understand the value of life before they know Jesus. The Spirit is working in them. But many people come to see the value of life when they come to understand God's love for them. And then they start to see everything differently. I think of it a lot like Ephesus. You know, if you think about the background here of the church in Ephesus from Acts 19, um, we're in the letter, we're in the second chapter of the letter we're going to be studying. Uh, it had started with 12 men, probably Jewish. You go back and read there. But the believers were soon no longer welcomed in the synagogue, and Paul took them next door to the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And there was enormous growth in the church among formerly pagan devotees of Artemis and the gods or idols of the nations. Uh, so it's probably mostly a Gentile church, but with some Jews. And that means those folks came out of that pagan Gentile background. Uh, you'll see a lot of Paul's letters are written to folks coming out of that background. And that meant if they were worshipers of Artemis, or in some towns, Aphrodite, you know, in some towns, Mars or Zeus, uh, they had a pretty low view of human nature and uh, intimate relations and the value of little ones, of children. You know, you don't hear this about this too much, uh, but there was real possibility that there's human sacrifice in some of those places. And certainly they would expose babies. Right? If they didn't want a baby, that was the solution in those days. There's no medical tech to help somebody figure out how, how to have an abortion. And so they'd bring the baby to term, and then they would get rid of it by putting them up on top of a hill. That was a, a typical pagan attitude towards an unwanted child. And you know that believers, many of the believers in Ephesus were coming out of that pagan background, discovering the love of God in Jesus and having hearts changed. And that's why in Acts 19, you find the, the silversmith, Alexander, I think that was his name, saying, oh my gosh, our temple's in danger of um, falling into disrepair and disrepute because all these believers are leaving there and they're going over there to worship Jesus. And we got to try to stop that. Well, the, big, the big riot in Ephesus that rose because of that. Uh, and and so what was Paul's solution to that? You find out from that conversation that Paul did not attack the temple of Artemis, and he did not seek to blaspheme that God, but he offered them Jesus. And as people found life in Jesus, and he showed Jesus was real by the acts of power that accompanied the gospel. You know, they were so wonderful that when he would Pray for a handkerchief. Let me see. Have I blown my nose on my handkerchief? <laughs> he, he would pray. For, let's pretend this is my hanky. Uh, he would pray for a handkerchief and have it, and it would go and be laid on people, and they would be healed. Now that's not because Paul was extraordinary. It's because the Holy Spirit was with him, and he had faith, and people understood this is the messenger of Jesus. 
Jesus is the one who healed them. And they realized, you know what? All that Artemis stuff is phony. It's empty. It's hollow. And our lives are being burned up pursuing that. And we're finding in Jesus the real deal. Power, not just to heal the outside, but to heal the inside. To save me out of my sin. And that's how people end up even today with a new view of the holiness of life. They find Jesus. And Jesus gives them the truth. So with that, I want to pray. We're going to move on, but I just want you to keep that in mind that our work, yes, we can vote. We can advocate for a change of laws that are just and recognize the value of every human life. And I think that's important. But it's changing hearts that's going to bring any kind of lasting change anywhere, including in this county. And so I think our efforts should equally be put into our prayers and our evangelism, sharing the gospel with others who need Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to be here together this morning as your people and worship you that you've drawn us out to be together. And I know uh, Tom prayed in the beginning that you would anoint me with the Holy Spirit, but I ask you to anoint all of us that we could hear your word and receive it with joy and live into it, Lord, all that you have for us. Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to us today. Thank you, Lord. May the words of my mouth, the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you, acceptable to you, inspired by you. You're our rock and redeemer. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask you, invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2 as we continue our study. It starts out, therefore. And when you say, whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you got to ask, what's it there for? You know, it, it's, it, it, it always indicates something about to be said. It's about to be said that results from what has been written just before. So you've got to go back and look what was written just before. In this case, what proceeds is the first part of the letter, referring to the formerly lost state of all people. We talked about that last week, week that our natural normal state as human beings is to be separated from God, slaves to sin, and lost, dead in our transgressions. And, and that dead, you may, you may, may say, well, wait a minute, I'm not dead, I'm walking around. See? And you, but this is talking about spiritual death. The state of being separated from God who is life. That when we're separated from Him because of our sin, that puts us in the state of spiritual death. And that is the common lot of the human race. As descendants of the original rebellious couple who represent all of us, that we are like them, separated from God because of our sin. And so we're in trouble. We're in dire trouble. And God has made a way for us to be set. So this is focusing first on the Gentiles and the great salvation in their lost state that they've received because Christ has come and they've put their faith in Him. Remember, it says in verse 12, 
Therefore, remember that you, that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. And now that's referring to the difference between Gentiles and Jews. If you don't know, a Gentile is everybody who's not a Jew. And the, the sign of the covenant that God gave Abraham, that your people, your descendants, are going to be my special, biologically chosen people, is circumcision. All your men have to be circumcised. If you don't know what that is, look it up. And the Gentiles, that by and large, some were and some weren't, but they didn't get circumcised if they did because of any kind of command from God. It was just a cultural custom. And most were not circumcised. And the Jews were pretty proud of that. Hey, this is the sign that we belong to God. We're God's people. We're part of his promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and later to Moses that we are the covenant people of God. And this is the physical sign that we, be, we belong to him. Paul continues, you who they call uncircumcised, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now, let's just pause there for a minute. You used to be lost, not part of Israel, God's people, or God's promises, without hope and without God in the world. This is the real state of pagan Gentiles. It's the real state of non-believers today. They do not have God. They do not have hope. They're separated because of their sins, and they're lost. They're in despair. I actually think this is one of the reasons for the great rise of despair, depression, and suicide in our culture today. People are fundamentally separated from God. They're lost. They know it. And when the pain reaches a certain level, they give up. And they say, I'm checking out because I have no hope. Right? Now, the sad thing, actually, the beautiful thing, is that they can be rescued out of that. And many of us have actually been there. That that's what helped us start seeking Christ in the first place. Our sense of lostness and despair. Our sorrows that no thing in this world could answer or take care of began to make us hungry for an answer we couldn't find here in this world. And so that opens people up, many people, to the possibility of seeking the God that otherwise they might have said, hey, I don't care about him. I'm too busy with my own agenda. But when your own agenda isn't fun anymore and it, it, the sin piles up and starts to become too painful, that's the time when openness to Christ can come alive in a person. So in Jesus, there's hope. But the state, Paul's reminding these Gentiles where they used to be. You used to be without God. You used to be not part of his promises to his people, the covenant promises of Israel, and not and having no hope. That's what you used to be. Don't forget that. You know, I think that that's something you and I should keep an eye out for and people we're talking to. You know, you, you can feel people out in the spirit where they're at. And, you know, if they're totally satisfied living in their sin and you start to share the gospel, they may or may not be open to it. But the poor in spirit, those who are mourning, those who are in sorrow and despair, 
There's a blessing on them that they don't even realize they have that may make them more open to the gospel coming from you. Hey, I know the one who can heal you. I know the one who can give you peace. I know the one who can lift you out of your despair and your depression and your suicidal uh, thoughts whose life itself and he can give you, he wants to give you and share that life with you. Will you let me pray for you? Now that's super simple, right? You don't have to be like a, a master Billy Graham evangelist to say that kind of thing. All you have to do is just be attuned a little bit to the pain of your neighbor and be willing to express the love of Jesus in just some small way. And it might be as simple as saying, let me pray for you. I see that you're feeling so sad. I can see it all over your face. And in praying, bringing them to Jesus and letting Him do in, in them what they can't do for themselves, the world can't do for them, and what you really can't do for them either, but He can. But now in Christ, and this is what Paul reminds him of, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who once were far away have been brought near. You see, that whole state of our alienation from God, Jesus has made the solution to it. Now, I talked about that last week. I don't want to go way into it today, but remember Paul saying, therefore, this lostness, this great salvation, therefore, this is how, what you should do as a result. This is how you should live as a result. This is what you need to know as a result. And you who were once far away have been brought near to God. Brothers and sisters, we're right in the company of God because of the blood of Christ and our faith in Him. Amen? We're right inside next to God the Father. We're, and, and he goes on to explain what that means. He, Jesus, is our peace. Now he talks here about the, the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles. He's made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And, you know, if you, you look today, even today, there's like a dividing wall of hostility between the Jews and much of the world. Have you noticed that? How is it that Israel is always like the focus of like ire by people around the world? And Bible-believing Christians seem to be one of their best friends in the world because we understand salvation comes from the Jews. Who said that? Anybody remember? Jesus. He said that to the woman at the well. Of course, he was talking about himself, and he came out of the Jewish people. But all those covenants, the promise, the word of God, all the apostles, the origins of the church out of Judaism. In fact, the church is the fulfillment of Judaism. It's spiritual Israel. And he's reminding these Gentiles in Ephesus, you are now part of spiritual Israel. You weren't before when you were lost, but now you are. You're part of the promises of God that come not through the law of Moses, but through the blood of Jesus. That speaks a better word than all the sacrificial animals of the law of Moses. A final payment for sin. So if you're in the blood and covered by the blood, and I know that sounds kind of gory, right? but it's a spiritual reality, meaning you've accepted His sacrifice on your behalf. 
You've accepted that he died in your place, that his death and his great torture, his execution as God in the flesh was enough to pay for your sin, all your sin, not just a piece of it, all of it. And it's rolled off your shoulders and onto his when you put your faith in him. That's why so many people, when they surrender to Jesus and ask him to come into their hearts, they feel this huge burden rolled off of them. The burden of the debt of their sin, the burden of their lostness, their despair, their separation, their alienation from God, that in Jesus all of that is lifted off and new life is given. And they're made somebody special. And Jesus has done this by destroying the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And here's how he did it. He set aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. All right. So for the Jewish identity, so much of who they thought they were was, hey, God gave us this law and this covenant. And as long as we kept it, we were going to be blessed. And we're his people because we're part of the covenant people. And, but they never could keep the law because the law is too hard to keep for sinful people. In fact, it's impossible. Remember what Paul says about the Ten Commandments. Well, I was pretty good at most of them, but number 10, I think it was number 10, got me coveting. That was a secret in my heart. And it just came out of me. Couldn't help it. Saw my neighbor's stuff, property, whatever, and I wanted it. There it was. <laughs> I couldn't help it. The law triggered sin in me. It revealed sin in me. And, you know, he's stating the common uh, plight, actually, of everybody who tries to keep the law to be righteous. He said, actually, the law, if we look in the mirror, we discover the law points out our flaws, our sins. So nobody was going to be saved by the law, even if they thought they were. And so what Jesus did by hanging on the cross was fulfill the law. And that's what he said in Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, that he came to do. I didn't come to uh, do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And how did he fulfill it? He fulfilled it by becoming a curse for us, which is what happens if you don't obey the law, you get cursed. And if you read the, all the law and all the curses at the end of them, they'll, they're enough to um, blister your your hands, your your eyes, your 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 life. They're terrible curses. Poverty, want, nakedness, emptiness, abandonment, death. That's the summary of the curses for disobeying the law. To be lost and alienated and estranged from God and bearing all the sin on your own head. And what did Jesus do on the cross? He was abandoned. He was stripped naked. He was tortured. He had everything taken from him. He had God turn his back on him. He died. So, the law says, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Jesus hung on that piece of wood, cursed in our place, fulfilling the law. So that the law is now torn up. I guess I could Put it like this. If this is the law, he tore it up. It's not over us anymore. I still have to be able to read that. <laughs> so think about that. Your way of coming to God is not through the law anymore. We've been set free from it. And that was part of the hostility that alienated Jews and Gentiles. Well, we keep the law, but you don't. And so you're unclean. 
You're outcast. You're not part of God's people. And now Paul is saying, both of you, the law is not working to save you. Jesus fulfilled it. You're set free from it. That hostility is gone. Now you belong to each other. Because you're in Jesus, and his blood is paid for it all. Jews and Gentiles alike. And so he is our peace, making the two groups one. Peace between Gentiles and Jews. Now, I want you to just reflect on Jesus as our peace for a minute. Because he removes the barrier not just of the law, but of all sin that potentially separates people. You know, you think about elsewhere Paul says that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male nor female, barbarian, Scythian, Greek, that all are one in Christ. That these old identities, many of which are alienating in their own right, we've been set free from them. That they're not our primary identity anymore. And why? Because God's purpose, it says it next in verse 15 and 16, His purpose was to create one new humanity from the two, Jew and Gentile, reconciling them all to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. One new humanity. You know, that that's the church. That's believers in Jesus, the new humanity. That's those who are being saved by faith because they put their trust in Jesus, the new humanity. The old humanity is made in the image of Adam, slaves to sin, cut off from God and lost, doomed. The new humanity is set free from sin because sin's been paid for. We're forgiven. Our sins have been washed away. Now, I don't know if you get, uh, if you're in that um, Through the Bible app that we have advertised that Doug researched for us, and um, there's a, a, a devotion that's sometimes video during this app. If, and if you're not part of it and you want to join this Through the Bible in a Year plan, um, I want to still invite you to, to join if you want to. Just let me know. We'll, we'll, we'll get you set up. But there was a beautiful little video in this week's um, devotions in which it described how in the Old Covenant, the nature of sin is that it pollutes. And if you're polluted and you touch something else, that gets polluted. You, you think about um, COVID, right? When somebody had COVID, you didn't want them to touch you, right? You stayed six feet away. You put on your mask. You did everything you could to avoid it because you didn't want to be polluted by that plague, right? And that's kind of what the nature of uh, sin is like in the world. It corrupts and pollutes, uh, and it sort of spreads. You get sin in the home, and the other people start to be affected by it. Sin out in the world, the people around start to get infected by it. But this beautiful devotion showed that in Jesus there was a new power where what was corrupted, when he touched it, it became clean. Amazingly, like Isaiah, when the coal from the altar was uh, touched his lips, the man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips, and he says, woe is me, I'm undone, I'm lost. And then the angel comes with a coal from the altar and touches his lips, and he's cleansed. He becomes a new person. The holy makes him clean. Jesus touching the leper 
You know, in, in, in Israel, most people thought if you touched a leper, you became unclean. But Jesus, purity himself, comes and touches the leper. The reverse happens. The leper becomes clean because Jesus' cleanness flows out to the leper. And on the cross, the potential for the cleanness from sin flows out to all of us. We can get freed and healed from our spiritual leprosy. The deadness of our spirits towards God and others. Our inability to love. Our inability to receive love. Because we're scared and hurt and, and, and squirreled off away, hiding for more pain. And Jesus can come and touch and heal and set us free from all of that. By Jesus, through Him we have access to the Father by one Spirit. Jesus is the door into the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there's life. The river of life that flows out from Him and into us who put our faith in Him. You know, Jesus is the door into the presence of God. And the Spirit actively connects us. One Spirit, the same Holy Spirit in both Jews and Gentiles. Now, I want you to come now to verse 19. Consequently, the results. Hmm. Well, you know the good thing about a through the Bible verse by verse sermon is that you can quit and say, well, well we're going to stop there this week and we'll take it up at the next verse next week. <laughs> Oh, I have so much more to say. I don't really want to quit. But there is another service we have to get ready for. So, um, well, let, let's just pause and reflect and pray about these things. You know, maybe there's something in, in that the Lord has been speaking to you. Maybe you need his touch. Maybe you want the peace he has to offer. Maybe there's alienation you're dealing with, family or work or neighbor, maybe even in your own self. And you need the holiness of Jesus to come and set you free. You need him to be your peace because you can't get it on your own. You need Him to help bring reconciliation with somebody you're estranged from because you can't get there by yourself. You, you want to know God as your Father and the blessings of being connected to the Almighty. And you understand today Jesus is the door to that. You want His Spirit. You want His life. You don't want to be lost. You want to be found. I want to just invite you to take time and pray about this great gift of salvation God is offering to you. He's offering you reconciliation. You can come into the advantages of the new covenant that Jesus has won by His blood. You can be set free from the curse of the law, the curse of sin, because Jesus became a curse for you. So tell Him, Lord, I want the exchange. Just break all these curses off of me and I receive Your blessing. Come in and set me free. I'm accepting the power of the cross today. I'm applying the blood to my heart. Spirit of God, apply it to me. Work in me. I just want to invite you to invite us to do that. Let's let the Holy Spirit search us now. And we'll take up from Ephesians 2.19 next week.
Thank you for listening to Igniting Your Faith. Let God's Word empower your life with new growth that encourages everyone you meet. Igniting Your Faith is copyrighted and published by Dr. Chris Fisher and First Church, Schuylkill Haven, Pennsylvania. Special piano music played by Cindy McClelland. You can find more information about Dr. Chris Fisher, this podcast, and the church at our website, havenfirstumc.org. We hope you will join us again next week and let God ignite your faith.